Good morning. Good morning. Um, first of all, big, huge thank you to everyone who was helping with the carnival yesterday. It was, yeah, it was terrific. Uh, and as I mentioned to the, to the first service, not only that, when I pulled into the parking lot this morning, you couldn't tell it had been here, which that's, that's usually the part that, uh, that you have the biggest issue with. But anyway, I, 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 it's great. Just, just a big thank you uh, for that. Yeah, well, that's all. Uh, let's stand next week when Barbie closes this series out. You're pointing at me? Oh, when Barbie closes this series out, uh, we won't put it up here. We'll just let everybody read it because uh, Barbie will have it memorized. Uh, so lead us in that. Just, just no pressure. Uh, would, you, would you stand? <laughs> there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for time. I thank you for this time. Lord, it belongs to you. I pray that we would be focused on you, that we would be attentive to what you want to speak into our lives for these next few minutes. I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us and that we would be teachable. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Love, hate, these, uh, these are two of the most um, overused and often inaccurately used words uh, in, the, in, the, in the English language. Uh, and because of that, they're both cheapened. Now, we're, we're kind of aware of how love is actually cheapened by the way that we sort of throw that word around, but hate, hate as well. I mean, hate's a real thing, and... Uh, you know, we, we, kind of, we kind of cheapen it when we, when we use it in places where we shouldn't use it. I was, uh, I was taught in school, I can't really remember exactly what grade I was in, but I, I, I remember in the classroom just sitting there, the teacher saying, you cannot love an inanimate object. And I pondered that. Yeah. And the first thing that came to my mind was ice cream. <laughs> you mean I can't? Love, ice cream. And, it, you know, for, for actually for years, that kind of st stuck with me. You can't love an inanimate object, huh? Uh, and then I realized, you know, I wouldn't lay down my life for ice cream. Though I kind of was doing that, and some of you still are. 
uh, laying down your life for it. Uh, you know, maybe I didn't really love baseball. You know, maybe some of uh, you don't actually love shopping. Addiction? Can someone say addiction? Uh, when I was in elementary school, people, uh, people, us being kids, uh, we used to pass notes uh, to each other. We didn't have um, uh, the ability to text in those days. So, and you know, so now it's 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 so much easier with texting because nobody has any idea that you're reading a text when you're spending the whole time like this. Or it, you no, know, you know, no, nobody has any idea. But we'd pass notes and. And sometimes, especially in the middle in the middle grades of elementary school, the uh, the note would say something like this: "Ronnie, this is Jane. Mary wants to know. Do you check one? Like me? Love me? Don't like me?" And being a ten year old boy, I was looking for the box that said "Ooh." But the thing is, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, you, you, may have, you may have encountered something like that from time to time. The implication was that love was just simply like, you know, a super like kind of thing. You know, you like somebody or you love them. Yeah. And those two terms really have very little to do with each other. How many of you know that you can love somebody you don't like? How many are you? How many of you are sitting near someone? That, <laughs> okay, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything about that. <laughs> uh, how many of you know that you can like somebody and not really love them? I mean, some people don't know how to love. There's the the capability to love really isn't there. Like, yeah, but not necessarily love. There are, there are other words that are more accurate that we, that we substitute, uh, that we use in, in the place of love. Uh, infatuation, that's five syllables. We don't deal with five-syllable words very often. But you know, you, you've heard that word. How many of you know what it means? Oh, okay. Who would like to volunteer? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll just do it because I have a microphone. Uh, Fatuation is to be possessed with an intense but short-lived passion or admiration for somebody. And love is not short-lived, lest we choose to make it short-lived. Um, obsession. Anybody? You know, sometimes we use the word love when obsession is really what should be used there. Yeah, obsession is a... Uh, is when your mind is preoccupied and, and, uh, and, and sort of in continually and intrusively filled with, with thoughts about it. Because sometimes it's an inanimate object. But sometimes that's really what we're dealing with when we use the word, when we use the word love. And it's similar with hate. I mean, there are synonyms that are actually better. They're not synonyms. They're actually other words that are more accurate. Uh, being used, you know, lo loathe is, is a perfectly acceptable word. Dislike, you know, but hate. What has broccoli ever done to you? 
you know, I mean, or, or some other vegetable. You know, they're, they're, you might not necessarily like them, but you don't hate them, I don't, I don't think. Yet there are some things that we should hate. Uh, and because there is a time to hate. And if there's a time to hate, then there's got to be a, an object to that verb. This is a hard one for me to unpack. Uh, it just is. You know, I was, uh, when I was first looking at this series, I was going, time to love to time to hate. Oh, yeah, man, I can, I can get a hold of that. And that's because I could talk about love all day. But when I got into it, I was kind of going, hate, wow, where do I go with that? What do, what do, what do I do with that? Uh, and I, first, I guess the first question that really kind of pops up is, are we ever allowed to hate people? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a legitimate question that should come up. And the answer is possibly. But the, the situations are so nuanced and the, and the consequences can be so dire and so uh, that I would advise against it. Uh, you know, I, I think as a general rule, you just kind of need to probably just take that off the table. As a, as a general rule. Because when we do hate people, it, it does something, it steals a part of our humanity when we do that. Uh, you, you know the Bible recognizes hate crimes? I, I thought that was a fairly um, modern notion, but the Bible actually does. Uh, under the Mosaic Law, they had these places called cities of refuge. And if someone was involved in a uh, in the death of someone, and it was, um, I guess, what we would call involuntary manslaughter these days, you know, if it, if it was uh, an accident or, or something, then uh, actually, according to the, the customs of the day, uh, someone who was close to the person who died, the avenger of blood, could, could kill that person uh, and, and not be guilty. That was I guess uh, kind of equivalent to what they have the honor killing type things that they do in some cultures today. But if that person could get to the city of refuge, then they would be protected and, they, and, and the avenger of blood couldn't touch them unless it was a hate crime, unless it had been premeditated and motivated by hate. In fact, it says very clearly if someone laid in, in wait in hate for somebody, uh, to kill them, then they were not supposed to be protected by the city of refuge. Um, the consequences for hating God are pretty severe, as you can imagine. So are the consequences for hating God's people. Because that's the same thing. At least that's what the Bible says. And so some people would, uh, <clears throat> some people go, oh, okay, so does that mean that I have permission to hate non-Christians? Well, actually, when, when, uh, when these scriptures were written about hating God's people, they were talking about Jews. So unless you're a Jew, I guess you'd have permission to hate, uh, you know, everybody around you. Who isn't a Jew? Well, but you go, well, no, you know, that's been expanded now. We're the Israel of God, and you know, we we're we're the we're the house of God. We belong to God's people. Okay, yeah, that that's fine. Uh, <clears throat> can you tell who the real Christians are? 
What do they look like? Can, can you tell who the real people of God are? What, what, do, they, what do they wear? How, how do they talk? What language do they speak? What culture do they come from? What I, what's their politics? What ideals do they have? I'm not that good. I, I, can't, I can't parse that out. So I, I think it's probably safer for me to just go, uh, I probably shouldn't be hating you know, anybody when it comes to that. Uh, you know, if you're that let me let me just say this. We often hate someone for the same reason that King Ahab hated the prophet Micaiah. King Ahab was, he, he, was, uh, he wasn't actually evil. He was, he was wicked. Uh, he was weak. He was childlike. And he was married to a very wicked woman. And you get a wicked woman and a weak man, and you got a, you got a, especially if he's king, you got a, you got a combination for, uh, for, for problems there. And uh, so he, he was one of the worst kings, along with his, his wife Jezebel, that Israel ever had. Uh, but he was so childlike that um, there, there are a couple of different instances where that comes up. Uh, but one of them is he wanted to go fight against Ramoth Gilead. Come on, man, we're going to go. We're going to go take this city back. We're going to fight against Ramoth Gilead. And uh, he had all these prophets, and they were all prophesying, go, Go fight against Ramoth Gilead. The Lord's going to give it to you. It, it belongs to you. But he also had uh, his ally, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, who was a, a godly king there. And Jehoshaphat's going, hmm, something a little, there's something not right about this, this, this prophecy session that's going on here. Is there, is there not some other prophet we can hear? Some, somebody who's a prophet of the Lord? And I love the childlike simplicity with which Ahab answers him. There's still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Always bad. He's Micaiah, son of Imla. And when we hate, it usually has, it's almost always directly connected to how we think that person feels about us. Uh, it's not about are they godly, are they ungodly, do they belong to God, do they not belong to God, are they a good person, bad person. It's about how they feel about me. Do they like me? Are they on my team? Hey, he's not on my team. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't like me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's usually our reason for hating. But there are things we can hate, and I wanna, I'm going to mention five of them. And, uh, and two of the five are actually two-parters, so maybe it's seven, but it's really five. Uh, because there is a time to hate, and it's when we encounter these things. And the first, the first one is a two-parter, evil and wickedness. We encounter evil and wickedness, that, that should be hated. Not, you know, that, and that's not the names of people. Uh, Elder Brad, uh, a few months back, parsed that out for us a little bit. Evil is inherently opposed to God. That's what evil is, opposition to God. And, and, and something that is evil is inherently opposed to God. Wickedness is to choose to be opposed to God. It's not inherent, but it's a choice that's made to be opposed to God. Wickedness results in evil whenever it's 
whenever it is, whenever it's selected and it's, and it's chosen. And so, you know, we're supposed to hate evil and we're supposed to, uh, to hate wickedness. The, the, to fear the Lord is to hate evil, it says over in Proverbs. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that I'm going to hate you because you just chose something wicked. Have you ever... Should I ask this question? Yes, I will. Have you ever done any? Have you ever chosen anything wicked in your life? Me and eight others. Yeah. Ha! Well, all the rest of you just did something wicked by not raising your hand. Uh, we we all have at times. So it's not the person necessarily that I hate because I, I'm I'm there I'm a, I'm I've been I've been there, you know. But that that action that activity, opposition to God. Uh, another thing is dishonest gain. Well, what is dishonest gain? That gets a little tricky, doesn't it? Because uh, I mean we know theft is. But is it theft to advertise something as one thing and sell it under that guise and it's actually something else? I hate selling cars. I mean, that's just me. I, I, I'm not talking about car salesmen. Car salesmen, I don't, I don't necessarily hate car sales. Car, 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 car salesmen. But, but I hate selling a car because... You know, if, if it's my car and I've had it for some time uh, and somebody comes, to, you know, to look at it. Well, first of all, I hate it because they're going to run it down. They're going to kind of go, oh, that's an ugly car. You know, you probably don't want to take that much for it, do you? But uh, but then second of all, because I know everything that's wrong with it. And I feel like I need to let them know, you know, hey, you know, when you put that when you put that intermittent wiper thing on four, it, it, it's only three. Really, I mean, you know, every every little thing, I, I feel like I I need to tell them, and it just kind of it, it freaks me out to do that. Some people don't have qualms about that. Some people don't have qualms about a, a lot of things, and but dishonest gain is something that we should hate. Absolutely, faithlessness. This one's this one's so much fun. Uh, the psalmist says, I hate what faithless people do. Now, what do faithless people do? They don't do what they said they will do. Uh, I talked about this last week. Does anybody remember me talking about this last week? Wasn't it just such an enjoyable time in the service? You know what I was talking about? You know, when you're chronically late, when you're chronically late, you know, I mean... <laughs> At least I came. Better late than never. Yeah, right. When you're chronically late, you know what you're saying to the person that was meeting up with you? You're saying, you don't matter. Your time isn't worth anything. It's, it's me that matters. But your time, and when you say your time isn't worth anything, you're really saying your life's not worth anything. Say, oh, no, now you're being a little extreme. No, you're just not listening. Because that, see, now they're listening. They, <laughs> yeah, you know, faithless. Keep your word. Keep your word. 
You say you're going to do something, do it. I know things come up, but when they come up chronically, you're faithless. Uh, Another thing to hate while we're enjoying ourselves, pride and arrogance. Uh, And and here's the thing. Uh, Arrogance blocks love. Pride blocks love. I've referenced this almost every week, but I, I, when Rhonda was talking about the things that Margaret taught her, one of the things that she said was when you talk to children, you know, get down on their level. And it's not a condescending thing. It's a, you know, if we're going to connect, we got to be on the same level. And if you're and if, if, you're, if you're operating in pride or you're operating in arrogance, then you're here and they're there. You can't love them. You can't, cannot love somebody from that position. Or if you feel like they're there and you're here, can't happen. You can, you can be infatuated, but you can't love. Got to be on the same level. So pride and arrogance, that's, that's, uh, that's something that that we can hate when it, when it comes up. And then falsehood. Uh, Proverbs says the righteous hate what is false. Uh, uh, truth is the way to life. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is the way to life. Falsehood is the, is, is the way to death. And when we're confronted with blatant falsehood, we should never align ourselves with it. When we're, when we're confronted with clear lies. There's no, you know, uh, there's no gray area here. This is a lie. We should never go, well, yeah, I think I'll go, I think I'll go with that one right now. No, uh, fal- falsehood is something we should hate. Something we should hate. It's, it's opposed to God. Now, there are other things, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really running a laundry list. Um, search the scripture. Um, the Holy Spirit will, will bring them to you. Uh, But let's move into time to love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm down with you. Uh, We know that love has a broader context, but our our culture causes us to default to physical attraction. Our our culture causes us to default to, you you know, I love you kind of thing. Um, And the phrase conjures up Images, idyllic images of, of sounds of hit songs and, and beautiful smells and beautiful scenes and, and, and just loving. Isn't it, isn't it good? Yeah. But the greatest love ever shown was actually carried out amid blood, suffering, the sounds were angry curses and cries of pain. The smells were those of open flesh. The cross? Yeah, the cross. Birth? Ever been present at a birth? Did you pass out? Some people do. Sacrifice in war? I mean, sacrifice in war, not, not, you know, war for aggression's sake, but truly sacrifice. Don't want to be here, but somebody needs me to be here. 
Yes. In the Christian context, we know that love is absolutely essential. Love is like oxygen. Love is a many-splendored thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. Yeah. All the time. Love is, is the motivation. Love is what motivated God. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but, but have everlasting life. It, it is, it's His motivation, and it should be our motivation. It grieves me when I, when I hear teaching Christian teaching that turns, turns the motivation toward gain. Turns the motivation toward, that's all, we, you, you can be happy, you know, tur, turns it. You know, the motivation is love. That, that's the only pure, real motivation that we should have. Love is greater than faith and, and hope. It, it says over in 1 Corinthians 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, those other things are, yeah, they're, they're there, they're important. But they're not, they're not love. It's, it's the greatest. I, uh, you know, this is, this is a little, I may be kind of trying to squeeze this in to make it fit, but I, but I, I just have to say this at this point. Uh, there's a church sign that I've passed the last uh, couple of weeks that just disturbs me. Uh, and what it says is prayer is a weapon that should never be concealed. And I have two problems with that. One problem is I believe Jesus taught about concealing prayer, actually. I think he said something about, you know, going to your, uh, going to your closet and pray. And, uh, you know, so that, that's one thing. But the other thing is prayer is a weapon. I thought prayer was how I talk to my father. I thought prayer is how I have a relationship with God. And we, we, tend, to, we tend to think of these things and we tend to, in fact, weaponize them. I can see there being issues and times and situations where prayer is used to make things happen. But if that's the only thing prayer is, then something's wrong. Love fulfills all of the law's requirements. Romans uh, 13.8 is a verse that people love to quote parts of. Uh, but uh, the verse says this, Let no debt remain outstanding. And a lot of times people put question, put put a put a period there and go, see, see, you're not supposed to be in debt. Uh, actually, that's not what the verse says. I mean, debt, yeah. I mean, you saw the the thing. I mean, debt, that's it is bondage, and it's and it's something that uh, financial debt, something that you don't need to walk in. But the, this verse says, let no debt remain outstanding, comma. You know what's the difference between a comma and a cat? Yeah, a, a, a cat has claws at the end of its paws, and a, and a comma is a pause at the end of a clause. Okay. Got to give some of you something you'll take home. 
Uh, let no debt remain outstanding, comma, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. You always have a debt to love. You never pay off your love debt. It, 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 you never get to the place where you're going, all right, got that one paid off. You know, that, that's finished. It's never finished. It's a continuing, ongoing debt to love one another. And, you know, when we go to, well, who's that one another, you know? Well, that's like saying, who is my neighbor? It's another person. That's who it is. Love is the great commandment. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the thing here. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Doesn't matter what other signs you wear. Doesn't matter what classes you take. It doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter how much you give. If you don't love, you may be saved. You're not a disciple. Because that's the mark. That's the thing that says this person's following Jesus Christ. Not anything else. John, First uh, John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God, hates his brother, he's a liar. Well, there it is. <laughs> what do you really think about that, John? Wait, what, what did the Holy Spirit really say to right there? Oh, he's a liar. Yeah. Because if you don't love your brother whom you can see, you can't love God who you can't see. Now, I used to kind of... I have some qualms about that, and, and to some, you know, I can spin it certainly to where I do, because it's easy to, you know, it's easy to love somebody that you don't have to hang out with. It's easy to love somebody that you, that you can't see. Uh, not really. Uh, it's easy to be infatuated or obsessed with someone that you can't see, but if you're going to love somebody, it requires contact. It requires touch. You, you, you got to be in touch with them. And when it comes to God, that's His people. So, what is this thing about time? If, you know, if we're supposed to love all the time, what's, what's the business about a time to love? Well, I want to I address a, a paragraph out of, out of the Sermon on the Mount here, uh, and we'll, we'll take a couple things out of it. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, are not even tax collectors doing that? And in those days, tax collectors were, were people who were ripping people off. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do, do, not, do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I, I, would, 
normally, if I heard this thing taught, I didn't often hear teaching about love your enemies because that's too hard. But I would hear about be perfect uh, even as God, even as your, your father is perfect. But it was kind of pulled out of that paragraph and set over here. And it had something to do with, you know, what you wore, where you went, what you said, what you didn't say, what you did, what you, what you didn't do. That's, that's, that's how perfection was, uh, um, per- perfection was um, defined. But that's not what it is. Look here. It says, right, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Anyone can love the sweet. Anyone can love the beautiful. Anyone can can love the loving. Anyone can love the pastor. (laughs) Maybe not. We need to be reminded there is a time to love when we're confronted with who we don't want to love. Deadbeats. What's a deadbeat? Well, it's somebody that that, that wants stuff and doesn't want to work for it, right? Deadbeat. And we know it because they're not working. Of course, we don't know anything else about their life, but it must be a deadbeat. The unsavory. You know, there, there are people who are just not nice to be around. You know, there, there are people who are just not fun to be around. How about this one? Those who've hurt you? You ever been hurt by anybody? Have you ever hurt anybody? Those who disagree with your cherished ideals? I've cherished ideals that I'd never mention because it would send us off in directions that have nothing to do with what we're supposed to be doing here on Sunday morning. And some of you disagree with my cherished ideals. I'll just say that. But I want to love you anyway. Enemies? Real enemies? Being perfect is not about keeping rules. It's about loving your enemies. That's how the paragraph starts, and that's how it ends. That's perfect. That's something. There is a, uh, the worship team can come on out. Uh, there's a, a saying that uh, actually originated in the, in the 70s, because uh, it's kind of a take off on some other things. I won't go into all that. But, uh, and it's this, we have met the enemy and he is us. And for many of us, the realization is, is very strong that the biggest enemy I've got is the one sitting in my seat. And so I have a lot of trouble loving that person. And this, and, I, and I'm not going into the, oh, so let's just love each ourselves and, and hug ourselves. I'm, I'm just so wonderful. No, 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 no. That's... that's You need to see yourself through God's eyes. God loves you. And He is right 
He is righteous in all of His ways. Including the fact that He loves you. And unless you see yourself through that filter and are willing to love yourself, the person sitting in your seat, you can't love the person in the seat beside you. Because you're coming from such a crippled place. Such a crippled place. God is right. There is a time to love. And it's even when you confront your enemy. Even when that enemy's in the mirror. It's time to love. Time to love.